We've been looking at some of the uh, formative concepts of interaction. Um, so Daniel has been uh, in Babylon, and, and we've looked at some of the early interactions he's had, and how he's building this, um, building up for his resistance against this, this culture that he finds himself in. And we've been talking mostly about the, the preparation uh, for this. Uh, we've talked about the the, the, the foundation that he's built uh, of his, his ideas and, and the way he thinks, and, um, and, and it's starting to emerge. We talked about that first interaction that he had. Um, now, I don't know if... Um, it, we, we, now, we looked at the preparation uh, for this dream. We, we laid this... The, we didn't get to the dream last week. We're going to get to this, this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has, and we, we talked about how Nebuchadnezzar uh, has, has, has this... this Thing he doesn't understand, you know, is it just uh, you know too much pizza and Kool-Aid at midnight? Or what, what does this dream mean? And, and people couldn't figure it out. And, and we talked about the assumptions last week that that the Chaldeans had and how those were incorrect. And so uh, so so Daniel says, um, you know, let me let me let me try to figure this out. And, and God will will, will pray. And, and then Daniel we. we read this, this section where Daniel gets the interpretation. Now, I don't know if you've ever gotten something you wanted and then realized that you didn't want it. We call that buyer's remorse. Um, but that's kind of what ends up happening here with Daniel. And So we're going to be reading a, a large section of J- Daniel chapter 2. And God answers this prayer, and I, I think as Daniel gets this interpretation and starts the, to, to see what this is, he's like, I, I'm not sure that I want to know what this means. I'm not sure that I want to have to go and tell Nebuchadnezzar what this dream means, because he's not going to like it. Uh, he might like a little bit, but, but he's not going to, to like a lot of it. Uh, and so Daniel's, uh, Daniel's in telling of this is, is going to bring us to our topic today, which is perspective. Daniel chapter 2 and we're going to begin in verse 24, and we're going to be going through the end of the chapter. I uh, hope uh, my voice will make it through this. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said to this, this to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king. I will tell the interpretation. So Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said to him, I found a man among the captives of Judah who will make known to the king this interpretation. And the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? I remember just to review that, that, Dan, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had kind of had wanted a, a double thing here that hadn't been asked before. He wanted first someone to tell him what he dreamed and then tell him the interpretation. So Daniel answered in the presence of the king. He said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the later days. Your dream and the visions of your uh, your head while you were in your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came uh, came to your mind while you were on your bed about what would pass. After this, and he who reveals secrets makes known what will be. As for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king, that you may know the thoughts of your heart. You, O king, were watching. 
There was a great image. This great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you, and its form was awesome. The image uh, had a head of fine gold, a chest of arms and silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet were iron mixed with clay. And you watched while a stone was cut without hands, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and it broke them in pieces. And then the iron and the clay and the bronze and silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from a summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of man dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of heaven, he has given them into your hand, and he has made you ruler over all of it. You are this head of gold. But after you will rise another kingdom inferior to yours. Another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the, all the earth. And a fourth will be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like the iron that crushes, the kingdom will break in pieces and crush all others. And while you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom will be divided. And yet the strength of the iron shall be in it. Just as you saw the iron mixed with clay, and as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom will partly be strong and partly fragile. And you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, and they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron cannot mix with clay. And the, seed, the, the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and the kingdom will not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it will stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold, this great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. And this dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. So King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. King Answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and the revealer of secrets, since you revealed the secret. The king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over the wise men of Babylon. Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. As you say, it offers perspective. Um, we're going to look at the perspective, a little bit of that Daniel offers to Nebuchadnezzar. However, there is also in this a, a perspective that keeps Daniel. Daniel has in his mind perspective that keeps him. Uh, and, and this is a lesson to us as we, we're looking at interacting with the world around us. We are offering perspective to the world around us. That's what the purpose of the church is. But in doing so, we need to keep our own perspective. And so first we're going to look at Daniel's message. Uh, and so Daniel's message in chapter 2, verse 44, he says, uh, Therefore Daniel went to Ariok, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said this to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king 
the interpretation. So the first perspective, which, which may in a, in a strange way be uh, counterintuitive, is that this is a perspective of compassion. Daniel pleads for the lives of these Chaldeans, if you notice. Now, he could have laid low and allowed Nebuchadnezzar to completely wipe out the Chaldeans. And we have to remember how the Jewish people have been hated. They were hated in Egypt. They've been hated in every country where they've ever been in. They've been persecuted in every country where they've been in. You read the news lately? You've seen people getting beaten up at an American synagogue and stabbed? And Jews have been hated in every country. There have been people who want to exterminate them in every country they've been in. As I, I've told you about my Jewish heritage. Uh, if you've ever watched uh, Fiddler on a Roof, a uh, great movie. My family is Fiddler on a Roof. Uh, with the exception of all the, the girls. Um, my uh, my great-great-great-grandfather left Tsarist Russia, uh, and the rest of our family was exterminated, uh, the ones who didn't come to the United States. That's Russia. You think of Jews, you, when, when we say Jews being hated, oh, we think not Nazi Germany, obviously, but it's been every country that they've ever had a presence in. And it's no different. We look at Egypt. We know after this, there will be, we, we know the story of, of, of Esther, and, and that's in Persia. Right? Everywhere they've ever been. And it's no different. And so Daniel could have, Daniel could have said, you know, I'm just going to wait. I'll, I'll give the interpretation once he starts coming to us. And we'll, we'll wait until he takes care of a number of these people. But he doesn't do that. He, he pleads for compassion. Don't kill them. Now, this is him doing this is going. We've talked about how when you uh, when you do right, sometimes there's consequences that negatively affect other people around you, right? But and this is almost the reverse. In doing what is right, he's going to create a consequence which affects himself, because these people that don't. Uh, that, that don't get killed, they're going to come back against them. These will be the same people that, that produce people and, and, and sponsor all sorts of things against the Jewish people, both in Babylon and then when they're taken to Persia. Misdirection is a common tactic of people. Often one group will, will see... Another group, and because that group suffers things, they will find a group that's more vulnerable than I, I went to school, not to use too many personal illustrations, but I, I don't have anybody else's illustrations to use, so I'll just use mine. I was not a popular person. Uh, I was very diminutive, meaning I was very short. There was one kid that was almost as short as me. He was like the, um, the jock's lapdog. You know what I mean? He was a little bit more popular. He was a little bit bigger. And so guess who he picked on? Because he didn't want to, to draw the attention of all the really popular people. So, so what he did was um, he found me as a target. Right? 
because I was a little bit more vulnerable than he was. And that took the heat off of him and put it on me. Right? That's how it's, it would have been easy to do. Here, here's the Jews, and, and, and here's, here's this group. And we don't want the, the negative attention from Nebuchadnezzar. So look, at, here's a group of people already that he doesn't like. I'll just kind of let them suffer a little bit more. And so compassion seems a little counterproductive sometimes. Why should I have compassion on these people? They don't like me. Daniel must have thought about what would have happened if these competitors survived. That had to go through his mind. Assuming that they would be thankful for their lives, that's not always realistic. Because after this, we see the end of the story, they're going to be compared as permanently unfavorable to Daniel. And what's most recent is tends to what, be what occupies our mind. And then it, 20 years after this, they're not going to be thinking about, well, you know, that guy did save our lives 20 years ago. No, they're going to be, he's in the seat that we want to be in. That's what's going to be... Well, they, they have the phrase recency bias, right? That, that's going to be what they think about. However, the end results do not determine the legitimacy of a course of action. The morality of the issue is determined by its internal nature. Is it right? Or is it wrong? Not how is this going to affect me down the line. There is a right thing to do. Moral principles are either violated or upheld. And compassion is Daniel's perspective. As he, as he walks in, that's the moral thing. Is compassion towards people regardless of whom they are. Well, Daniel's second perspective is credit. Uh, chapter 2, verse 27 and 28, he says, it says, Daniel answered the king, he says, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the later days. Your dream and the visions of your head, as you lay on the better these. And he goes on, and we know the dream. He gives Credit. No, the, the first thing, uh, proper credit, has to do with reverence for God. There are many things that God doesn't like. And I, th I think Mark in a class brought this up. And, and I started thinking about this and, and looking at it. You know, looking at the times when God has gotten instantly ticked off. I mean, He punishes sin. But the times where He doesn't delay, the time where... Just, it's over right there. Look, and there's a common theme. Nadab and Abihu. Right? Like, right there. And then God gets hot and says, done. Uh, quarters rebellion. Just a, the ground opens up. It's like, okay, you don't exist anymore. I remember the, the guy Uzzah. He, he reaches out to, to touch the ark. To, and, and in a way, he's trying to do something good, but the whole thing was because they were being disrespectful from God. And, and boom, dead. Go to the New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira, boom, dead. Uh, 
Herod Agrippa, standing there giving a speech. They say the voice of God and not a man. Boom. Those things, what do they all have in common? We can think of lots of awful things that people do in our world. Right? I mean, we talk about human trafficking, we talk about all the awful things that people do. But the one that God gets really instantly hot at is a lack of reverence for godly things. Treating God as casual, not putting Him in the place that He deserved, God gets hot at. Daniel walks in and look at Daniel's contrast because his contrast is not really... I mean, if, if we looked at the SAT type, you know, uh, this is to this, as that is to that. This is not a good SAT contrast here that Daniel Daniel gives because he says, uh, "No enchanters can do this question that you ask. No, no enchanters, no sorcerers, none of your magicians can interpret the dream." Now, the obvious opposite to that would be to say, "But I can," because he can. God has given him the interpretation. He understands it already. But he doesn't proceed with the natural opposite. He says, but there is a God who can. That is the opposite. These people can't, but God can. And so he begins, his perspective is to keep God as reverent. Now this goes beyond that in chapter uh, 2 and verse 30. He says, but as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because of the wisdom that I have is more than other living, but so that the interpretation may be known to the king, that you may know the thoughts of your mind. He de-emphasizes himself. Not because I'm so great. We have the tendency to think that good things happen to us because we're so great. Uh, we, we look at this it, it, with the Jews in, in, in the Old Testament. They, they started thinking that they were great, and that's why God gave them the law. Right? That's why God gave us all the promises. And we must have been really good people among all the rest of the people for God to give us this. No. We are not better among all the living because we come here on Sunday morning. Because I have chosen to to make this an important part of my life does not make me better. We must have a de-emphasis of self. So just to be clear about the source, this is like Daniel is repeating. It's from God, and let me just be clear, it's not from me. It's not because I'm so great. Because how did people <coughs> interpret? We've, we've talked about how, how they looked at things. And, and Nebuchadnezzar was sure, in fact, we even see how he responds to this. After Daniel says, it's not me, Nebuchadnezzar hears the dreams like, wow, that's great, you did all this, let's offer you a sacrifice. Now I'm sure at some point Daniel said, no, I know this because Daniel continued to live. Unlike Herod. Remember Paul? Uh, Paul and, and, um, and Barnabas were preaching They said, well this must be you know, Zeus right now. No, no, they run out into the crowd. And they, no, 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 stop this right now. 
They don't want that to, to be associated with them. Our job is to point people to God's word. It's not to make disciples of ourselves. It's not, not to make people disciples of our, our pet opinions. It is easy to be impressed, right, with our knowledge. And there's so many people that, that study, and, and they are smart. They have degrees upon degrees, and they are highly intelligent. And it's easy to start thinking, I am highly intelligent. The more education. I studied under this person. Remember, Paul said that. He's like, who are you? I studied under, you know, I, I studied under Gamaliel. He's like the big rabbi. It's like I went to Harvard. And he says, it's trash to me. It's trash. It means nothing. That piece of paper on the wall means nothing. We point the way to God. That is what we have to brag about. So that was his perspective. The third perspective that he comes in was with a complete perspective well, this means a couple of things. Uh, well, uh, it means good news. Good news. He begins with the good news. Chapter 2, verse 37 and 38. You, O king, are the king of kings. You've heard that phrase before. Wow. Was that blasphemous? No. Christ just appropriated the title later. <coughs> You're the king of kings. God of heaven has given this kingdom power and the might and glory and into whose hand he has given Wherever they dwell, the children of men, beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, he's made you ruler over all of it. You are the head of gold. Now, it's not just Babylon. I know these are, these are empires that he's looking at. There's four empires, and we, we know from this that, that it's, it's Babylon, Persia, Greece, and, and Rome. Uh, and that, we'll, we'll get into that later in Daniel. But he doesn't even say Babylon is the head of gold. He says, you... Nebuchadnezzar are the head of gold. You are it. I mean, think about this. There, there's like five or six emperors during this whole period of time. What do we have? The first five chapters or whatever, or four chapters, whatever it is, is it, it's all about Nebuchadnezzar. He's emperor for 45 years. He, he, he begins, his reign begins, his dad was, was the emperor um, the first year when they come, and, and the next year he was already emperor, Nebuchadnezzar was. And then for 42 or 46 years, he's the emperor. And that's all the events that we have about Babylon until the day it falls. That's it. The only thing that any other emperor of Babylon gets is, oh yeah, you lost it. Nebuchadnezzar is the head of gold. This is good news. I like this part of the dream so far. As I said, Daniel has this interpretation and he knows it and he's like, uh-oh, I've got to tell him the whole thing. So there's some bad news. Uh, the bad news is verse 39. It says, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise. So, so you're great, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, but there's a, a kingdom that's, that's not even really comparable to you, but they're going to beat you. That's not good news. That's bad news. And, and emperors, uh, uh, people with the ability to kill whom they want, often don't like to hear bad news. Give me the good news. 
this is why the people were stalling. Right? Remember, the, the, the magicians, they, they just wanted to give the good news. And if there was no good news that they could figure it out, they just wanted to make it up. Give me the good news. It's the bad news. They did this to satisfy a king's ego and to lay low. But Daniel has a complete message. Verse 45, he says, The great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. And just so, long, so, so we're to be clear, Nebuchadnezzar, the bad news I've given you, it's, he says it is certain and the interpretation is sure. Now he says the dream is certain. What's the, I think he's trying to say something here. He's like, you asked for this. You wanted me to make known to you the dream. I have given it to you exactly as it was in your head. The dream is certain. It matches what you dreamt, doesn't it, Mr. Nebuchadnezzar? Yes, it matches. Okay, so, so I've done what you asked, which no one can really be expected to do, which is to give an interpretation or, or, or to give a dream without you know, having heard it first. <coughs> so you should also rely on the interpretation because I've had the ability to do that part of it, you might want to pay attention to the second part, which is the interpretation. It's the absolute truth. It is reliable. This is his perspective. Really quickly, I want to talk about our message. I want to apply this. And we're going to do that just by looking at a couple of things from one passage Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 through 45. In those days, uh, in the, the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nor shall a kingdom be left to other people. It will break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it will stand forever, just as you saw a stone was cut out from a mountain with no human hand. And it broke in pieces iron, bronze, clay, the silver, the gold. As we talked about these different empires. And he says, in the days of this last one, this, this Roman Empire, the, the Empire of Iron, he's like, there's going to be a rock cut out. And it's going to, uh, to smash that in the feet. And, and so this part of Daniel's message is what intersects us. And he says, all these empires are going to come and go. But there's going to be one that comes and, you know, We've had strong countries since. The United States is a strong country. England, some even called it an empire. I mean, there's been lots of strong countries. France was a, was a really strong country. You go back a couple hundred years. There has never been, since, since Rome, there has never been a nation that acted in the world without rival. Babylon acted without rival. I mean, they, they made... Egypt, which was like a big, pretty big deal, paid them taxes. They made Assyria, Nineveh, this great city, pay us taxes. Imagine, imagine the United States uh, says to Russia, you now belong to America. And China, you now belong to America. This is, this is what we're talking about. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that that's ever existed. This is sure. 
When, 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 God says, when Daniel says this interpretation is absolute and sure and certain, that's what he means. It's about Christ and the church. Christ and the church are the power brokers in the world now. Money is not the message. And when we talk about how money becomes a God, and we know, well, money's not a God. What is our message? What is our perspective as we talk to the world? A lot of times we want to bring things that intersect the world, that, that, that are kind of connected, but they're not the message. They're not the good news. Right? Um, Dave Ramsey. Really good information about finances, right? And we want to advertise Financial Peace Institute. That's not what the world needs. I mean, they might need some of that. And it's not bad information. That is not the gospel. I drove by a church, I'm not sure which one, recently, and they were advertising Roomba or Zumba, whatever exercise. What is that? Christ did not come for Zumba, Roomba, whatever. That is not the... Listen, physical exercise is wonderful. Being healthy is wonderful. That is not what Christ died for. That is not the good news. So his message, understand what the good news is, but also understand that there is promise and warning. The good news is that God is inevitable. But the bad news is that God is inevitable. That is the message. There is a reckoning. God is God, there's mercy, there's justice. And it's the same God that, that has this message. It's all wrapped up in one. You cannot teach half of it. You cannot have a coin with one side. And so Daniel goes in with that perspective. We have to go into the world. We talked in, in class this morning. Uh, Mike mentioned that the, the, it's a war out there. You cannot go into battle with half a message. We have to have the right perspective. And so that's where we end. Um, my perspective. What is my perspective? That's the, the question that we look at. What is my perspective? Because we can talk about giving the message of perspective to other people, much like Daniel gave perspective to Nebuchadnezzar. This is the perspective that you need. We look around the world so often as the enemy. And we see them as hostile to us, and they are. Is that my perspective? I can perceive them as enemies because they attack me for my faith, because they would draw up rules and legislation that impacts my ability to practice my faith, if they could. Because they will pressure me or my children to live a certain way or to not speak about something 
I can view them as enemies or I can view them with compassion. Romans says that they don't have the ability to fulfill the law of God. They don't have the ability to. I can look them as enemies or I can look them as victims of something. What is my perspective? It will impact how I walk into the situation. So my perspective needs to change. I cannot offer the right perspective to them until my perspective has changed. People attack us. Why do they attack me? They attack me because they are defensive. And people are defensive when? When they are vulnerable. That's when people are defensive. When something's not right in their life. So how do I approach them? Do I approach them as an opponent or as someone who wants to offer compassion? To do that, I have to have the full message. The good news, the bad news. What's my perspective?